Find your next favorite comic at Shroud Media, where different is the new normal. Shroud Media is a creator and publisher of independent comic books, featuring a diverse range of characters confronted with extraordinary circumstances. In Riven, a dark superhero science fiction, a hero rebels against a totalitarian regime led by his deadly alter ego. The supernatural action-adventure Reitzig pits a mute child soldier against his surrogate military family, forcing him to choose between murdering his surrogate mother or losing his sister forever. And an unlikely romance forms between two women after a near-death experience in the surreal action-adventure Samurai Gunslinger. All Shroud Media digital comic books and graphic novels are available on Comixology, iTunes, and Google Play for hassle-free reading on any device. Find Shroud Media on Facebook, at Shroud Media on Twitter, and ShroudMediaLLC.com. This is Hermes Conrad, Bureaucrat Level Grade 36. And you are listening to the Candair Podcast. No, stop it and get back to work. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candair, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And joining us today, returning to the show to talk about his comic, Prometheus, which is going to be running on Kickstarter beginning July 11th, Ryan Little. Thanks so much for being back with us, Ryan. Thanks for having me, guys. We had a hell of a lot of fun with Ryan last time he was on, so I'm anticipating a good episode today. And I, I don't think Jake was here last time uh, Ryan was on either. No, he wasn't. Yeah, I think there's something amiss. Ah, I'd be taking that kind mm. of personal if I were you, Ryan. <laughs> I don't know. It's been noted. <laughs> <laughs> we got a good show lined up for you today in our retro roundtable. We're going to be talking about Mark Hamill as he just recently received his uh, star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, so that's right. Good on you, Mark. And uh, it's about damn time. Time, right? Yeah. Then the uh, comic dump bin. What do you got there, Jack? Rick and Morty from the free comic book day selections. Comic vault. I called it the dump bin again. Comic vault. <laughs> Damn, I'll get it one of these days. But yes, Rick and Morty. So uh, you throw all those comic creators under the bus. Real nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so one of the books we'll be talking about there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Ryan and talk Prometheus. Uh, before we get started, though, don't forget to follow us on our social media handles uh, on Instagram at can underscore air and on Twitter at can air pod. Uh, where else are we, Jack? We got the website, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn, Player.fm, YouTube. We got lots YouTube. of good stuff happening okay. on there. And also, I forgot to uh, mention, uh, we got sent another package from Adult Swim. We have a new show starting uh, uh, July 9th. At midnight, or a quarter past midnight, rather, uh, called Apollo Gauntlet. And uh, we watched the pilot already. I think it's going to be another good one. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> uh, it's on the adultswim.com, uh, the website. Right now, you can go there and watch the pilot, or you can catch it July 9th at 12.15 a.m. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Looks to, to be one of those 15-minute episodes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 15 was, minutes was good. of gut-busting laughter. So uh, check it out. Apollo Gauntlet. So let's kick it off with this week's Retro Round Table. Do it. Do it. Come on. I'm here. Come on. Do it now. Grass. Taste bad. All right, guys. Mark Hamill. Where do we begin to talk about the man who has done so much for pop culture? Should we even go into Star Wars? Wow, we've got to, or this yeah. is going to be a short segment, I think. <laughs> I don't know. The funny thing about him is I, I really, the more I think about this, because you guys gave me a little heads up that we'd be talking about Mark, Right. I really don't think Luke Skywalker is his best role. No. Absolutely I, not. No. I'm going to take the hot take and say Mark Hamill's my favorite Joker, hands down. Oh, absolutely. Without yeah. a doubt. It's yep. the it's the standard that uh, everyone has to live up to mm-hmm. now. And it's funny, I was reading online today. Um, about when he was auditioning for that, he thought, you know, they're going to see me as Luke Skywalker. I'll never get this. Yeah. And kind of just uh, went in there with a the voice he'd already prepared for uh, like a live performance he had been doing. 
but then of course got it and became you know <laughs> one of the best jokers so then he was very nervous and he said one of his friends was like oh man how are you ever going to compete with jack nicholson and then now <laughs> everyone's competing to be as good as a uh, mark hamill i read today starting off with star wars i guess that he wasn't originally gonna uh audition for star wars but his friend robert england yeah. aka freddy krueger uh went in for han solo yeah and then decided you know my buddy luke or my buddy luke mark might <laughs> work out for this and yeah. ended up doing it and got it yeah it's, I, I read the same thing it was like uh he was crashing at his place a lot mark was crashing at uh help me what's his name robert robert's uh place a lot and this was during the same time uh around the same time he was getting nightmare on elm street but uh he had heard that the george lucas was casting for that role and he said that uh, Mark was always on his couch because the show he was working on was filming right across the street. So he said he was huh. always on his couch, like watching Mary Tyler Moore and stuff. You imagine, right? uh, imagine Robert England as Han Solo. No. I love you. Mark. I know, bitch. I know, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me think of uh, Rick and Morty, where every other word yeah. that Freddy Krueger character Terry. was saying. Terry, that yeah. was it. Uh, what about you, Ryan? Um, you know, he, Mark Hamill is just the coolest freaking guy, I swear. He's one of these dudes where, especially watching, like, how much he's really carried the flag of Star Wars stuff, like, it hasn't exhausted him. Like, I really liked Christian Bale as Batman, but I feel like by the end of his tenure, that dude was very over talking about being Batman, especially considering, like, he debatably helped redefine superhero movies. But I think the cool thing about Mark Hamill is that it seems like he really, like, genuinely, authentically gets it. Like, he totally, like, all his performances, whether it's Luke, whether it's the Joker, um, whether it's the Trickster, which is a really underrated, really fun part he played on mm-hmm. both Flash TV shows. I think that, like, one place I really saw recently was uh, in that new Power Rangers movie, the live-action one, which that's a whole can of worms to talk about. But uh, Elizabeth Banks was really fun in that movie because Elizabeth Banks knew what kind of movie she was in. Like, she was not trying to make Rita Repulsa some, like, dark, like, anti-villain, like... No, that lady just, like, played it up and went for the fences and had this, like, batshit crazy Krispy Kreme, like, like, <laughs> like evil voice, because she knew what kind of movie she was in. And, like, every time, like, Mark does, like, voices or he does character things or anytime he talks about either of them or even just, like, watching him, like, play Trickster. Like, Trickster, uh, especially in the new Flash series, they kind of tried to give, like this like pseudo sympathetic backstory too but like he totally just like handed up and had a blast like they like he he'll only work for the cops if they give him licorice like just like like that's like straight out of a comic book and like he just he doesn't try to play it straight he doesn't do it totally campy either he just totally delights in this bonkers genre of ours which is why i really give the guy credit the only bad part about trickster that i had a real hard time with it was not hearing the joker in his character Totally, hundred percent was like a slight. It was just like Joker light, like when Joker didn't have coffee that morning. Uh, yeah, really. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because I think uh, those uh, actors and actresses, it's a real testament to their uh, their acting ability that they were able to rise above being typecast mm-hmm. into Star Wars as big a hit as it was. You know what I mean? But uh, totally. It seems like, uh, and I could be totally wrong about this. This is just pretty much what I kind of remember growing up is that, you know, you had the initial three movies that were big as fuck, but, you know, through the 80s and into the early 90s, you know, the popularity was dwindling down. I think they kept putting toys out here and there, but uh, I don't know. Mark Hamill just seemed to kind of disappear. I think he was still doing stuff, but just not prominent stuff. I mean, it was in that time that he did the trickster. Yeah. But right. um, I don't think it was really till the Joker that he uh, really got launched back into the main light. I could be wrong about that. But um, he was too busy getting into video game voiceover. Yeah, he yeah. did like Wing Commander. Yeah, uh, three for 3DO. That uh, I never played it, but it looked cool. I never played any of them just because I think they were on the consoles that were too expensive. <laughs> <Yeah>. No one, <laughs> only the rich kids had those yeah, ones. Yeah, right. 3DO. <laughs> I know we bounced around some like random little stuff before Batman, but I think it was just really hard. You know what I mean? I mean, being typecasted like that yeah. and especially like not kind of giving into it um, the way that some people can. Like, I think you like, you know, when, when success is that big, it's just like a river and you can just kind of put your feet up in a tube and let it ride until your seventies. But he did a couple of little things. Like looks like he did a, that's right. Yeah. He did a couple um Miyazaki movies 
Studio Ghibli movies he's voiceover for. Like, so he was in the voiceover pretty quick. But I, from what I understand, he's a pretty business savvy guy. So I think he kind of knew what the challenge was going to be. Um, and he, ooh, and he did one episode of Biker Mice from Mars. Oh yeah, wow! Seriously, yeah. respect Mark Hamill. Yeah, before <laughs> he landed a, before he landed Joker. The other thing I really give him credit too is uh, he was a lot of fun in Kingsman. Yes, yeah, that little, I nice forgot little he part was in there. Kingsman. I don't remember. Yeah, he, had, he was a little English professor. He was, there was a couple parts where he had scenes where he had to like kind of like like mutter to himself, like science speak. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that that's never scripted. They're just like, I don't know, just go up there and be like a stressed out nerd. And he's like, all right. And like, they give him chalk and he like writes on chalkboard and stuff like that. Like, that's where he's just really fun. But he was really, he had a, because the comic is considerably different from the movie. Not not as much as, as uh, wanted, but it's still pretty different. And the comic, Mark Hamill is referred to as Mark Hamill. And he has a somewhat bigger part in that. So, you know, the dude's got to have a pretty good sense of humor about himself, too. Huh. He's himself in that comic? Yeah, so the the comic is, um, which the movie, if you've seen the film, the movie kind of has like allusions to it. So in the comic, or in the movie, they kind of say that like royalty and like politicians and like some high profile people are disappearing. Like like I think that in the movie they made the joke like Iggy Azalea is disappearing, which probably won't be funny in four years. Yeah, but um, <laughs> in the co- in the comic, the inciting incident is that like troves of pop culture and not like musicians, actors, artists, all sorts of people are disappearing. So that that's the inciting incident more than like explosions and spies dying, because hmm. um, that's that's what ties more into that the plan of like basically all show business people are evils, but like they're like oh well, we, we're the most important people to rebuild uh, society after it crumbles is you need these people who these legacy individuals to kind of restart civilization. So that's like kind of how all the all the things line up. But Mark Hamill's like one of the first like they kidnapped Mark Hamill, and that was like the big. Uh, Straw that broke the camel's back that kicks off the investigation. That was in Kingsman. The yeah, yeah the original Kingsman comic. Mm-hmm. I see. Wow, I did not know that. It's funny how um, intertwined with comics he is. Uh, obviously, I mean everyone knows. I've never seen it, and I feel horrible about it. But there's that movie. What is it? Comic book? The movie where he plays like a the mockumentary that he made. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Did he make that? Was that his? I I saw it today, and I don't. I didn't read into it too much, but I don't know if he. Was in it or if he did it? I think I want to say he did it. I think it's on Netflix. I'll have to watch it. I, yeah, I'm not familiar either. I feel bad having never seen it. It's like <laughs> one of those things I feel like I should have seen. But uh, on top of being the Joker, he was also the Hobgoblin in uh, the Spider-Man. Oh, cartoons. really? Yeah. Good one. Didn't know Gargoyle that. Gargoyle and Hulk, Maximus and the Fantastic Four, and Claw and the Avengers, uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. He's done all kinds of uh, superhero stuff. He's, yeah, he's done a lot of superhero stuff. And let's not forget the cock knocker. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I remember when I first watched that movie, when he does that little giggle thing at the yeah. end, and the, they're like, "That's a Joker right there." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah I'll I didn't be, talk about that. I really like him and I really respect him, but I'll be I'll be very curious to see to kind of bring the conversation full circle. What uh, what Luke we're getting in this new movie? I mean, yeah. not that I don't yeah. not that I don't think he's up for. It. I mean. You know, it's one like the, I think my favorite shot of uh, Force Awakens was him at the end. I mean, I thought he nailed for because face acting like that when you have nothing to bounce off against and like Daisy Ridley probably wasn't even standing across from him for that tight shot. It's just a fleet of people with microphones and cameras staring at him and he's emoting <laughs> like that. I was like, ooh, Mark Hamill's gonna bring it. But at the same time, I don't know how conflicted of a Luke we're gonna get. So I think it, this could really be. It's funny how Luke could have started as not a throwaway role but kind of one of these you know campy adventure roles for him and this movie they might be giving him some real work to do um yeah you you mentioned that final scene at the end of force awakens and i have always thought and felt that that scene because you're right when he does turn to the camera there you know or toward ray she may not be standing there and probably very well isn't but the emotion that's coming out of his face is saying more than like oh hey who's this girl you know yeah there's a there's some kind of like realization or revelation there. I mean, if it's you know maybe it's just seeing the lightsaber, but I feel like um, if you read back on like the production of The Empire Strikes Back, like nobody knew that Vader was Luke's dad right. up until that moment. Like mm. moments before it was shot, he goes, "Okay, he's your dad." 
or <laughs> so that the reaction's you know pure and has right. had time to settle in. And I feel like maybe they whispered something in his ear, like who she really is to him. Maybe. Oh, I could see that. Oh, and, cool. And then you know maybe down the road after we get these movies and the special features, we'll hear something like that. Would be cool. But uh, I maybe feel they like whispered, there's got to be a family tie. This is your only scene in this movie. <laughs> yeah. He starts to cry. <laughs> 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 but um, well, the funny thing about that shot is, uh, I thought he was so good. I was like, you know what? If he hadn't nailed that, I kind I might have walked out of that movie feeling like, disappointed, being like, oh man, like basically it's just the last minute of that movie is, and now the adventure begins. I'm like, oh crap! Yeah, start yeah. the countdown for two years. But uh, he was so good, I actually felt pretty satisfied. It's kind of like the Lord of the Rings. You're absolutely where right. Yeah. At the end totally. of the Fellowship, it just ends, and you're like, what? Yeah. It was just starting. Yeah, yeah, that did stink when that happened. <laughs> but um, I agree because the whole time you're watching Force Awakens for the first time in the theater, you're just like looking at your watch, like any time now, any time. Luke's coming, yeah. Luke's coming, <laughs> yeah. and then you know you obviously have seen the end. You watch the star blow up, and you're like, okay, what what the hell's happening here? Yeah, what else? But you're right. Uh, by well, the I end the of worst. it, you felt you did feel like it was worth it. You didn't feel ripped off. Yeah, it felt like a slam dunk. It was just this cool. I mean, because that's like, I mean, that's a cool about Star Wars, right? It's that magic. You're like, oh shit, here's Luke on, like, I don't even know where is he, like Jedi Asgard, like some weird mystery <laughs> island, <laughs> something like that. But yeah, I think um, I'm really excited to see the next movie. Obviously, who isn't? But just what they do, you know, with the the last Jedi. I think what it is is just you know, true balance can't mean that the Jedi exist and that the Sith don't. Mm-hmm. Neither are both there right. or both aren't. So I think he knows that, you know, they have to destroy what remaining Sith remains and then they themselves have to go away permanently. I've been staying away from any clickbait. If anything about Star Wars anymore, I'm staying away because I don't want to know anything. Yeah, I'm done Good watching luck. trailers too. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. When I saw, I forget what it was. I think it was Spectre. They played like a Rogue One show and I just shut my eyes the whole time. Because like I'd rather, like, because they put so much in trailers anymore, you know? Because even, uh, like during Force Awakens, I was the same feeling. Like, all right, where's Luke? What's going on? And when she had that flashback, and I saw the the hand on R two, I was like, oh man, that's it! Like that's that thing I've been waiting for. And like, I don't I don't want to ever have that experience. It also the Star Wars pantheon is just so huge, and I love the uh, Comics Alliance used to run these articles for. It's really sad they're gone. They, they used to run uh, articles after superhero movies came out that were lists of like every rumor that was wrong. And for like Batman vs Superman, it was like like. It was like 60 things, <laughs> like wow. rumors on the internet that people were like convinced were true that weren't. And I feel like Star Wars is is that times a thousand because there's so much pantheon and mythos. Yeah. And, I mean, the canon is finger quotes out the window. But like, if you're if you're a fresh director coming in trying to find a way to to keep reinvigorating the franchise, you're not going to ignore 40 years of you know 30 years of, of expanded universe stuff. Um, but I don't know. I I, I kind of. I haven't read much. I'm a little excited about Grey Jedi stuff. That sounds pretty exciting, or The Wills, or whatever that is. But I read, like, one article, and I was like, all right, no way. This is too interesting, so I'd rather just wait and see. Whoa, Grey <laughs> Jedi's the what? What? I have, have you seen? Ooh, yeah, dude, treat yourself. If you ever having a dark day, Google Grey Jedi. That's see what basically that is. what Ahsoka is, right? Oh, just that right yeah, the line. Yeah, yep. I see. Yeah, they have, like, but they're their own. Like, I don't know. See, again, it's like, it's like, well, there was, like, a Hostess Candy Cake exclusive comic that established, like, the Great Jedi mantra that, like, like, there can't be light without dark, and, like, you have to, but as a living, the byproduct of being a living being is emotion, so it's not, because Jedi's, it's weird, because, like, as a kid, you're like, yeah, Jedi's are cool dudes with swords. And then you like as you get older, it's like oh, they're like kind of monastic apparently, and like they're supposed to be like really disciplined. Um, so I think Great Jedi is almost like Buddhism. That's like this kind of idea of like accepting the chaos of the world and not accepting it without giving yourself to it. I don't know. There's like a whole whole bunch of Great Jedi stuff. That's a that's like a solid like I was supposed to be doing some like Kickstarter outreach work, and I was like, ooh, what's a Great Jedi? And I'm like an hour and a half left, by. <laughs> like 20 tabs open on my computer. Well, it'll be interesting to see, and you're you're going to have to succumb to some of the marketing that's coming out because we're going to be talking Star Wars with uh, the Angry Video Game. No, that's true. November, you got to bone up before then. <laughs> Can you turn that light away? It's sure. killing me. Getting the oh, there we go. Turn interrogated off. over there. That's what it feels like. Yeah. It's getting hot in here these nights, huh, Doherty? <laughs> <laughs> um, fun fact I found online that I didn't know. Um, his son, I think he has like three or four children. 
but his son Nathan was born during the production of Empire Strikes Back and then had a cameo in uh, Phantom Menace as a royal guard on Naboo. What? Yeah, I had no idea. Uh, huh. Man, I definitely thought you were going to say he was one of the younglings. I'm like, ooh, that's embarrassing. But that's a good part. <laughs> he was the one that got killed the first. <laughs> Master Skywalker, what are we going to do? Talk about being uh, typecast because of Star Wars. The prequel trilogy really uh, typecast people, don't you yeah. think? Yep. Hayden oh, Christensen. Yeah. Uh, maybe not so much Natalie Portman. I think she's risen past that. Uh, yeah, she's but... had enough good stuff. Her and Ewan and Taken. Oh, yeah, they, were, they were big enough that they didn't get swallowed up by it. Right. I mean, Hayden Christensen. I mean, it's just like, that's that's your life now. <laughs> You know, and it, uh, he gets a bad rap, I think. And that's why I feel bad for him by any means. I do, because oh, I, I think he's a good actor. I've seen him in other movies, and he's entertaining. I think he's good. It's really? just, I thought so. He's not great. He's not Tom Cruise, but... <laughs> I mean, um, but you, if you take screenshots of, like, like, if you just look at some of the dialogue he had to say, like, there, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis isn't going to give the sand speech well. Like, that's just, that. that's not actor performance, which I think is something that, like, like the, the main populace isn't able to pick up on, but like when you have to say it get, it's coarse and it gets everywhere, it doesn't matter who you are. Like you, you can Marlon Brando is not going to do that. It's <laughs> I would always, love to hear it. It's <laughs> <laughs> coarse and it gets everywhere. <laughs> and no, actually, maybe Marlon Brando could have done it. That maybe that would have been cool. But that way, he was definitely definitely up the hill. And I think there's a, a special like. You know, it's, someone always like heads always have to roll. Like that's just like a part of the human experience for like what five hundred years now. But it's like, what the hell happened with these prequels? Uh, Hayden Christensen, that guy. Like, we'll make fun of George Lucas a little, and then we'll say it's all Hayden Christensen's fault. Yeah, it's got to be someone to blame. Well, yeah, it's he like, took all the bullets. We had uh, uh, Susie Diaz and Miguel uh, Guerra yeah. on the show, and cool. They had said that uh, it was maybe she had said Susie said that. They had got great actors With to bad. act badly yeah. for these movies. <laughs> With and bad dialogue. After she said that, it's like an epiphany almost. Because it's like every scene, like they took the first take. They didn't yeah. say like, okay, that, that doesn't work. You know, do it a little more like this. It's just like, yeah, 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 good enough. Next shot. You got know. it, gold. Right. <laughs> that's what it seems like to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure I'm wrong. but Yeah, I mean, that's my big thing. uh I was I was definitely target audience when those came out. I was I think third grade for Phantom Menace, but uh, I mean if you told me today that Liam Neeson's going to be playing a sage like Jedi Master, I'd be like, holy shit! There is a god. My faith in the universe has been restored. This is going to be unbelievable. You and McGregor's Obi Wan, like that's I mean, there's too many. I definitely you definitely can't blame all of them. I mean, there's so much right. talent. There's so much talent there. I love um, Liam Neeson. I mean, I think everybody does, oh, but yeah. I just love how uh, he reminds me of Har- Mark Hamill in the aspect where he doesn't, he's not too big for anything. Like, mm-hmm. right. I-, I was watching the Clone Wars a few weeks ago, and Qui Gon showed up, and it was actually him. He was voicing the character. Yeah. And I thought, oh, oh that's cool. I didn't, had no idea. You would stoop like a- this low. <laughs> 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 but it was awesome to hear his voice. He's great. How about, yeah. I always thought. Mark Hamill got and you know he got in a big car accident while he was doing Star Wars. Right. He almost. I think he. I always thought he almost died, but I it guess, was serious. Um, I know he had to have like obviously serious plastic surgery, but um, but I thought it happened during uh, Empire, but I guess it wasn't. It was during A New Hope. No, it did happen during. Oh, really? Or it happened at the very end of A New Hope, like all the major. Man, I don't know now. I thought not from what I was reading because everyone thought because of the whole Wampa attack, his face was all chewed up and stuff. That that's was just the aftermath of him in his car accident. But then I guess he actually debunked it from what I read today. The internet doesn't lie, so that it was <laughs> it was actually during a New Hope. And there was at like the a end of production. Scene. I yeah, don't know if it was that. I end read that because they had. Uh... That's all they had left to film were those speeder scenes, and they ended up getting, getting somebody else to yeah. do it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah I, I felt stupid that. today. I was like, man, I've told so many people, yeah, see his face is scarred up. That's actually real scars and stuff. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> me, Ben. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. He had another car accident. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just kept them fresh more for than a one. few years. Yeah. yeah. Kept picking scabs. <laughs> <laughs> don't no. let them heal, Mark. Yeah, gotta keep him fresh. Well, we'll see. Uh, last thing I got here, 
He made some appearances on the Cosby Show. Nah, really? That's yeah. what I read on the internet. I don't remember yeah, I saw that. that too. I don't think he probably wants to remember it right now either. <laughs> he might not be able to. <laughs> he was on the Muppet Show. Oh, that I believe. And I remember Everywhere. that Swat one. Cats. Him and what? Well, it was him, three PO, R two, and uh, Chewy were on the the Muppet Show, and him running around as Luke. They're all in character, of course. He was just running through the studio yelling, like, death to the Empire and stuff. <laughs> Crazy. It was hilarious. I'll never forget it. Well, I don't know if... I don't have a whole lot more to say on Mark Hamill to you guys. No. But... Not really. Mark Hamill seems to be the Foo Fighters of pop culture, where he came along with a band and made one, you know, a hugely successful band, branched out and did it again, you know, made another successful mm. band, and... How many people out there have defined two characters, you know, Luke Skywalker and the Joker? How many other people out there have done that? Like, really defined two characters? And, and, and made the, the second character bigger than probably his first one made? Yeah, even, yeah, even so. Yeah. It's, it's Both of them, it's been over 20 years. I mean, talk about staying power. Like, I mean, how much has pop culture changed from the Batman animated series to now? Yeah. And he's still the peak. Yeah. It's funny because when they, I don't remember which Arkham game it was they put out, but one of them, he, what he didn't do the Joker for. And the, the guy they got, I don't, can't remember his name. I think it was Arkham, it was before Arkham Knight. City. There was the, the flashback one, Origins. That was it. Was that it? Yeah. That was it. Yeah. That was it. Arkham <clears throat> Origins. Um, they got somebody who sounded identical. They sounded a lot like him, yeah. I mean, if you listen really close, you can pick out it's not Mark Hamill, mm-hmm. but. Damn, it's hard. He's really, really good. I watched him do a reading at a con on YouTube, and it was crazy because he kind of did the same thing. You could tell he'd been studying Mark Hamill, obviously, if he's mimicking him. But when Mark does that voice, like at a con, like he kind of hunches down toward the microphone and (laughs) delivers, you know, he's looking like up, like past his brows, like condescendingly at people. I don't know, taking on the character as Mm -hmm. he's delivering it. Uh, It was really cool. Really he hasn't cool. done his uh, Trump tweets as the Joker lately. He's only done a couple of those. I didn't even know he was doing them. Yeah, like he'd read a tweet that Trump does as the as Joker. The Joker. <laughs> well, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> oh god, dude, he's done everything. That guy, like, he's so game. I mean, he did like he did uh, like Heath Ledger lines as Joker. I mean, if you Google like Mark or uh, like YouTube search Mark Mark Hamill as a Joker, I mean, that dude will like that guy will read the phone book as the Joker. If someone asks <laughs> <Yeah>, him nicely. <laughs> This made me think of something totally unrelated, something to leave everybody with. Not even related to Mark <laughs> Hamill, but you remember Jim Cummings, uh, the voice of Winnie the Pooh, reading uh, reading yes. the script to New Hope as yeah. Darth Vader. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh, really? It's on YouTube, people. Go watch it. You will laugh yourself. Hysterical. It's hard to read. Hard to hard to hear a little bit just because it's at a con where there's a lot of echo with people in the background. I know you're hiding but... those rebel plans. <laughs> they got away with the plan, sir. Oh, bother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. Check it out, people. But that's all we're going to talk about Mark Hamill today. So uh, congrats, Mark, to you and your uh, star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Not that you'll ever hear this, but by chance you do. Congrats to you. And with that, let's move right into the comic vault. Who would like to go first this week? I went first last week, so don't look at me. I'll go first, right? All right, cool. Rick and Morty, free comic book day. Can never issue. go wrong. No. There's only one problem I have with this comic is you Is-Mort? have to know. No, you have to know Rick and Morty to understand it or to even get it, mostly. Because the way it's written, because there's that little bit of improv that's always uh-huh. in it that... Reading it, you, I, I don't know if it really translates as well, even I though that exactly it's in there. What you mean? The same thing happened when we got the uh, comic book for Neon Joe when Adult Swim sent that mm. over because we had never seen it yet, so yeah. we didn't know like how to gauge the humor. When I was reading some of those ridiculous <laughs> lines. I was taking them like from a, in a serious tone, like, yeah. "Oh, okay, okay." Continue. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it starts out the family eating breakfast like they do usually on the show. Jerry is telling Morty that uh, he thinks he needs to start earning a little bit of his keep around the house. And of course, Morty is, oh, gee, Dad, you know, that's kind of kind of hard to do. You know, I'm always out doing school and on my adventures with Rick. And Jerry comes up and is like, well, you know, when I was your age, I had two jobs and 
And then Brick comes over. He's like, yeah, how'd that work out for you, Jerry? <laughs> You're up to debt. Your eyeballs. Come on, Morty. Let's go. So they go in the garage, and Rick asks Morty if he knows what uh, the stock market is. Morty kind of babbles on what he thinks he is, and he's like, yeah, that's kind of what it is. So what we're going to do is we're going to go play the stock market, interdimensional stock market. We're gonna make tons of we're gonna make tons of uh, money, Morty. We're gonna make tons of money, and we're gonna own everything, Morty. Oh. <laughs> it's so easy to go on, like. <laughs> yeah. So they end up going to this interdimensional stock exchange, and they run into this old guy that's got a big clock around his uh, chest, and he's like this time detective. And Rick's not supposed to be around there, so he's kind of hiding behind Morty the whole time. And. uh they go and fill out all the paperwork they need to to get all the stock market stuff that they need to, to play the stocks. Then it cuts back later on to the house, and there's a whole huge addition to their house. And there's a bunch of hammering and stuff, and Jerry's crying and whining. Oh, I can't think all this hammering going on. And Beth's like, what do you have to think about? There's not... <laughs> Rick ends up going up in to talk to Morty because they got this big shipment. It's this robot cat that is just like, okay. <laughs> Why the hell not? Yeah, and Morty's, they're both in shirt and tie, and Morty's sitting there telling uh, Rick, you know, everything is under my name. You know, I, I seem to be doing most of the stuff here, not doing too much, so I think I'm going to have to kick you out. And Rick's like, are you serious? And uh, all of a sudden, this time detective comes by and tries to... Oh, arrest Rick. And all of a sudden, Rick pulls this big gun out of his pocket, and there's a big shootout. <laughs> and where, oh, shoot, where does it go after that? Oh, I don't know, Rick. Oh, it turns out that when Morty was going to tell Rick that, you know, he doesn't need him anymore, Rick shoot, throws back at him. Well, you know what this actually was? This, this contraption that I had that made us win all this money was actually stocks from other dimensions that were guaranteed to win and if they didn't win or make a money then that whole timeline was going to totally disappear so this time detective actually came and was arresting him because he was screwing up different timelines <laughs> that's our much, Rick <laughs> it pretty much ended right there they were running away from the, the time detectives nice but Yeah, it was definitely fun just like watching an episode which we'll be able to do, watch some new ones here coming yeah, July up July 30th, 30th on the yeah. Adult Swim. So, hey, who the hell isn't excited about that? Apollo Gauntlet and Rick and Morty. <laughs> Apollo Gauntlet. Jeez. That's so awesome. Oh, shit. Would you like to go next, Ryan? Sure. Um, I went back. So I have a – for my favorite comics, uh, usually I try to treat myself, read them in graphic novel form, like just like take an afternoon. Uh, so I adore – uh, the book Descender by I totally just blanked on the writer's name he's my favorite current writer Jeff Lemire Jeff Lemire's Descender he did um, it, so every time a volume comes out I go back to the first volume and I read until I catch up again it's that good it's just wow. absolute page turner it's amazing it's uh, it's sci-fi um, like kind of space adventure book but it's but without all the tropes all like the gobbledygook and crazy planet names and everything uh, basically, you open on uh, like a planet. It's sci-fi future, flying cars, billboards that are like projected on the sky. You know the usual stuff. Um, then this huge, like just behemoth, like Galactus—not thirty-foot Galactus, but like the Galactus that's like this that blots out the sun—lands on this planet, and everyone's like, "Well, what the hell is this thing?" And it sits dormant for about an hour. And we meet like the leading robotics expert. I'd call him the Steve Jobs, but he's like even beyond that of like AI and robots. Um, and he, he starts to examine it right when its eyes open and it just eviscerates everything. And you wow. cut to ten you, you cut to ten years later. Apparently, like seventy of these things showed up, caused like catastrophic like millions of lives, death on every planet, and then disappeared. Uh, and they they were able to get enough data out of it to find out that it was a robot. Um, so something built it, but it's so far beyond anything they had. Um, and the lead guy was the head robotics guy. And we meet him. We meet him again ten years later. He's like washed up, booze hound. Like he's, now he has a beard, which means he's seen hard times apparently. Um, and the uh, only other thing they got out of the scan he did of it was that if you go down to like its most base level code, it was based off of these little like little boy friend robots he'd invented. But it doesn't make sense because it's so far beyond his. So the whole thing is this search um, and the other part. So. 
culture has just eradicated robots. Like people basically became like xenophobic towards robots, as people would do. Um, so there's been these like robot callings where they killed them all. Um, and there's one like on this outpost, on this far off outpost, this one little little boy robot, Tim, survived that shares the same code that apparently is the foundation for these huge robots. So it's this adventure to find out what the hell these things were. He's, this robot starts having dreams, and robots aren't supposed to be able to dream, and other Radiohead lyrics like that. Um, but it's uh, <laughs> Dustin Nugent, I think that's how you say his name, uh, does all the watercolor art, and it's just like it's such an adventure. It's like a huge. It's a some some. This is like a taste thing for me. Some guys like really get into their own dialogue, and they just they'll write you like a, a small prose novel on every comic page. I mean, this thing you blow through a volume in 20, 25 minutes because it's just so much driving action, so much intrigue. Um, it kind of reminds me of Breaking Bad, where it's one of these things that it just keeps getting bigger. There's never really filler. Um, so it's just a really fun kind of space romp. So if you just want something that's like very operatic and big in the scale, um, but it doesn't kind of like every ever since Game of Thrones blew up, everything's all about world building. Like mm -hmm. if this were a normal comic, there'd be 20 pages of like, this is the Federation Alliance. And these people <laughs> have been at war for 20 years. And this prince wants to marry this king. And it's like, no, this is it's just about this disenfranchised guy who has is sick of the world this little boy robot who wants to learn as much about the world as he can coming together and going on this adventure together so i think they're up to three volumes are out now um it's it's the best 20 bucks you can spend skip skip uh, transformers five <laughs> a good recommendation right yep. there heard that a bunch haven't seen the movie haven't read the book but i know it's a good recommendation yep. <laughs> <laughs> very good very good well, my uh, book's kind of the opposite, where you were saying uh, people were killing off robots. My book has robots killing off people. Hey. All right. Yeah. You get the best of both worlds. Uh, my book also comes from Free Comic Book Day. Uh, they were handing out the Columbus Creators Anthology, which is a local collection of uh, comics done by local artists. Which is pretty cool. cool. Um, I'm sure we've probably crossed paths with some of these people, either on the show or uh, at the conventions we've been at, but... I thought I'd just choose and read one of the uh, books in here. So the one I chose is called Robin's to Escape from Slave Camp 9. And it looks like it's uh, in Arizona here. You see two guys in kind of tattered clothing wandering the desert picking up robot parts. Just kind of like complaining about their lot in life. You know, what are we doing out here? Did I mention it's the year 2098, by the way? Oh, right the Way the in the future, yeah. And there was a big uh, robot uprising that uh, pretty much destroyed most humans, and those that were left were enslaved. So they're out there picking up these parts from fallen robots to take back to the robots who are still alive for whatever reason. And while they're out there complaining, a robot comes and taps on the one's back and he goes, a Notification, you men have been selected to perform in tonight's performance of The Jetsons, Episode 39, Judy's Gambling Addiction. <laughs> <laughs> So the next no scene way. shows one of them dressed up as, uh, what was the son's name, Elroy? Elroy, yeah. And then Elroy, yeah. this tall, thin dude dressed up as Rosie, walking out <laughs> on uh, stage, and all these robots are uh, yelling, like, show us your circuit board, and <laughs> stuff like that. So during the show, they decide they're going to make a break for it. And while the audience is distracted watching some other part of the show, they slip out from under the back of the tent and take off running, and they come across this robot... <laughs> who uh, introduces himself as Fred Flintstone. And he's dressed the part. He's a robot, but he's got the uh, the orange, the tiger, the, the tiger, mm, yeah, yeah. Bengal tiger uh, outfit on. And they're like, uh, we heard there's a camp around here somewhere with, uh, with humans, a safe place for humans. So he's like, yeah, let me take you there. Now, why is he willing to help when all these other robots are, uh, you know, killing everyone off? They get to this safe place and it's an amusement park, and they're like, oh, God, not here. And turns out what, what happened so many years ago was Hannah, Bar Hannah and Barbera, who created some of our, fra our favorites like Yogi Bear, the Jetsons, and the Flintstones, uh, opened up this amusement park. And uh, even after their death, they had their heads cut off and attached to a cybernetic body so that they could both oversee the park in, well into the future. <laughs> and to keep up with their competitors, uh, animation just wasn't going to do it anymore, so they brought to, uh, their creations to life in the form of robots with artificial intelligence. The robots revolted and took over. 
<laughs> that's why there's so many robots in this world. But um, right before they died, the, their last gift to humanity was setting off this like EMP kind of a thing that constantly keeps any electronics working with, from within this theme park. So that's why it's the safe place for humans. Mm. And um, Yeah, I'm still not sure exactly why uh, these other robots are helping them out. I'm sure it says in here. I just uh, don't remember off the top of my head, but <laughs> it was a fun read nonetheless. Again, uh, Robin's to Escape from Slave Camp 9. And if you go to disposablefictioncomics.com, uh, you can find that comic uh, with some others and also on twitter at df comic so there you have it i don't even remember seeing that i don't know if this was at pack rat comics or if this was at the laughing ogre hmm. so and this uh, will, this will sound like a little bit of a like a pat on the back uh, compliment but like man that's the about indie comics anything goes you want to do some bad shit hanna barbera robot comic <laughs> go for it <laughs> it's awesome I, I mean who would have ever thought that Purely original. Yeah, for <laughs> Let's sure. take Hanna Barbera, cut their heads off, and put it on the same cybernetic body. Yeah, it's like the best parts of a Futurama. Exactly. Yeah, really. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So check it out, people. All right. Well, with that all behind us, let's just turn our full attention over to Ryan Little and talk again about Prometheus uh, beginning on Kickstarter July 11th. Thanks again for being with us today, Ryan. Guys, thanks for always supporting me. And this is uh, definitely my most ambitious endeavor yet as I try to launch a comic with the same name as a Ridley Scott movie. Yes. <laughs> I tell you what, it was a son of a bitch <laughs> finding anything online about it. Because anytime you type it in, it that's comes what up comes up. Movie. Yeah. But yeah. Um, you had sent us copies of uh, Lonesomes after we had you on about uh, that comic series, which, again, bravo. Mm -hmm. uh, another great okay. series you do. And uh, it was a pleasure to read. I wanted to have it here in front of us today while we're talking but i'm pretty sure i let jake borrow it who is not here oh, today yeah. so oh, classic jake yep. classic raining jake on, right raining on my parade <laughs> we'll give him hell for you but uh from what i remember it's uh, pretty much greek gods living among us correct yeah definitely that's definitely the genre world we're playing in um it's a continuation uh, of the legend of prometheus which is he was a titan who stole the flame of knowledge from the gods and gave it to mortal man, who at that point, I guess, were just sort of like Neanderthals. And that is the it moment that launched. That's what made people able to think and do math and make skyscrapers and all the stuff that made us us. Um, and the gods punished him because they were they were frightened because now people have potential. Uh, so the god in the original myth, the gods imprisoned him. He was the one that he was strapped to a boulder, and every day a, a eagle picked out his liver. Uh, and then every night the liver grew back, and then every day the eagle would eat it again. Uh, so ours is definitely we're going to get a riff on the eagle thing. Uh, instead, it's a raging bull style. He's locked in a boxing gym with this behemoth humanoid figure with an eagle mask who will only do rabbit punches. So it'll only punch him in the liver until he dies, uh, until he bleeds from within. And every day, he, every night he regenerates and every morning he, he got murdered again. Um, but when the comic starts, uh, it's, you know, 2000 years have gone by and he's free. He's, he's walking through the streets. He's battered. He doesn't really know where he is. Um, but he... We learn very quickly he fancies himself a martyr, and he stole the flame of knowledge, and he gave it to mortal man because he loved humans and was captivated by them. And now that he's free, he just wants to see what people made with his sacrifice. Uh, so uh, a kind person gives him an iPad, says, ooh, you sound like real kind of optimistic and naive. You should probably like go out in this dock and, and, and kind of look Just There's a thing called the Internet. You should check it out. Just get your toes wet with humanity. And he's like moved and excited. He thinks his suffering's over. Now are the good days. And he goes online and he sees constant war, pop culture, Kim Kardashian, Trump's president. Like all these things hit him and he's just gut punched worse than the eagle ever could. What the fuck happened? Uh, and he quickly realizes, holy shit, someone has stolen the flame of knowledge. This was my, I sacrificed everything for this. This was not theirs to take. So he sets out on a sort of Greek god version of a John Wick revenge odyssey to find out who survived the fall of Olympus, who stole the flame, and to give it back to mortal man. That's freaking awesome. What a great story. And such a far That's cry from uh, your other series, uh, Lonesomes, which is very much angled toward the, like the collectible monster mm -hmm. kind of genre. So how did, uh, where'd the inspiration for this book come from? Um, this is another one. It's funny. I always say I don't always remember where my ideas came from, but the last two I talked to you guys about, I remember very vividly. Uh, nice. This idea, I was sitting in a screenwriting class. It was my second to last class in college ever, so this was probably four years ago. Um, and I knew I wanted to be a writer, 
which is the second worst death sentence, second only to wanting to be an actor. I was like, oh, so like all this anxiety, like, oh man, about to make the great leap. Um, so at that time, IP pitches were very popular. So how how can you what, how can you do a fresh riff on a public domain character? Like, I, there's only really bad examples, but like I Frankenstein or like that new King Arthur movie. How can you take yeah. something people kind of know and find your spin on it? And at this point, like Brian Azzarello was doing his thing on Wonder Woman, and like I've always really enjoyed these like let's kind of reimagine the gods. I was a big God of War fan playing those video games growing up. Um, and somehow this is, these are kind of my more cynical days. Some, somehow some little synapse in my brain fired and I said, Oh, Prometheus, here's this guy who sacrificed everything for people. I was like, would that dude really be that impressed with us? Like that dude saw honey boo boo. Would he be like, well, that was worth dying every day for 2000 years. No way. Like, um, and so I, I, so I, I, quickly wrote it i wrote it uh like 100 pages of content again um and then kind of tried to find the story while i was doing it i knew the big benchmarks i knew the people i wanted him to bump into because i think you do when you think of like kind of the greek god or if it's like all right so he's gonna go see zeus and Ares and like you know all the people and, and i like that um and some of that's definitely gonna be in here but i said he's a titan who are the other people he's gonna meet and like what does it mean if these people have just like totally fallen you know where, where do they end up in our society how do they kind of cling to power um in the first issue he finds apollo and apollo needs faith to survive so where where's a place in our modern culture that people put supremely put their faith that's not a church and uh he asked someone where do people put their faith and they point him to an investment banker building yeah so he ends up on so he ends up on wall street and that's where apollo has been swirled away mooching off this uh investment fund to try to try to sustain himself um but so then the idea was really you know it's always I, I, I like some like really fun character stuff, and that's like what a lot of Lonesomes is. But I also just love, you know, something um, I really feel like cinema is missing right now. It's just like joy. Like, take me on an adventure. Take me on a romp. Um, so I said, I want to take this guy on this like really pulpy, bare knuckle boxing odyssey through the remnants of Olympus. But at the same time, this is a story about a dude who's supremely powerful, supremely mature and wise. And for the first time in his life, he's realizing life isn't what he thought it was going to be. Like, who hasn't been there, you know? I remember uh, the first time I realized there's, like, really no such thing as adults. Everyone's just kind of, like, older kids. Was uh, I was in this, like, really bad car accident, and I was at an Enterprise the next day trying to rent a car so I could go pick my friend up from the hospital. And this dude was, like, trying to, like, sell me on an upgrade to, like, some, like, I mean, like, to, like, a supercharged, like, Civic. I'm like, dude, I just got hit by a drunk driver. Holy crap. Like, would you just do your job? Like, figure out where the paperwork is and, like, get me out of here? Like, aren't you supposed to be, like, an adult? Like, you have a tie and a desk, and your name's on that desk. Like, aren't you in charge? Like, what, what, is, what is the world, you know? Um, I know what so, you mean exactly. Like, when you upsell, that's pretty much it. Well, <laughs> what he's saying about when you realize adults aren't adults, they're just big kids, it's... Uh, Maybe not the best example, but uh, growing up, like you always look at your parents like having everything figured out. They're the go-to for mm. anything, any right. question. But when you get to a certain age and realize, oh shit, you know, I think they're just as lost as I am. You know, it's, it's <laughs> totally. a slap of reality. Yeah. But anyway, I'm sorry. Dude, the older yeah. I get, the more I can't imagine. Reason. Dude, dude, no problem. I think it's something. Um, a real goal of mine with all my work is to try to make these conversations more palatable. Try to make make a vehicle for them. Like you and I right now can sit here back and forth kind of flushing out these vague weird stories we're like well that wasn't quite what i ever thought it was going to be you know i mean especially like growing up you know i used to teach uh, k through three um and it was weird because i was like you know you spend all you spend four years teaching kids these are the rules everybody lives by be good to your friends be good to other people work your hardest it's good to be smart and then like you know as an adult you're like wait a minute everyone like forgot the rules like right. i spent all day <laughs> teaching kids this and like nobody buys into it um so i think it, it's um, it's a tricky line kind of writing a – I wouldn't say he's quite a naive hero, but there's a there's an interesting balance, and especially as you get older, where you have to you have to see life for what it is. But at the same time, it's, it's a constant choice you make, whereas do you still want to believe it can be what you know it can be? And what's that line? And for this guy, he's been on – you know, fighting this one-man war for 2,000 years for something. If it's Prometheus, these are who people are, you know? He's like, well, I gave them potential. Why, why aren't they sailing the stars and conquering planets and – it's not who they are and you the problem is that you need them to be that you know so that that's his that's going to be his battle as much as as much as it's dionysus and zeus and hermes and all these other people that are that are still floating around and are not very happy he escaped his uh his prison right 
Well, it's a it's a really good looking book, and I love just what you've done. Like you were saying, you know, taking a royalty free character and putting a new spin on it. I mean, we've had some people on the show. I won't say any names that have uh, taken royalty free properties and done their mm-hmm. own take on them. But it's typically just like a continuation mm-hmm. rather than a new yeah. like reinvention. And yeah. um, this is just very fresh. I think very fresh and. Um, I don't know. It doesn't seem stale at all being an old character. It seems all very new. So well, it takes uh, all that old stuff and thanks. puts it in in today and it works with yeah. it today. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. That's that's totally the goal. I mean, I'm very uh, look, if if there's one time that it's hard to be indie publishing, it's right now. And it's because not only there's so many comics coming out, there's a lot of good comics coming out. Right. I mean, there's a ton of it's a great time to be a nerd. I mean, forget the all the movies and TV shows you have to watch. There's a ton of awesome content. Um, so I think if I'm going to be making something, it's got to be something that I I had a teacher once tell me the only thing you should be writing should be your favorite. If I'm writing a movie, it's my favorite movie I've ever seen is the one I'm writing. My favorite comic is this is the coolest thing I could ever think of. Um, so I try to find the best production value I can, um, which Chris Shahan is our he, he does the pencils and inks. That dude brought it. Man, does he he get shading and drama yeah. because as much as he gets the action stuff, this is a dude who's having all his mental barriers broken. This is a guy realizing what the world is after you know two thousand years of expectation. Um, so he can he can really bring the rain when it comes to the emotional stuff and the the really cool gritty stuff as well. Um, our colorist like totally dialed in, and we wanted a little bit of that Black Widow stylized thing. Um, so if you're gonna back this book or check out this book, there's you you can't indie publishing means you can't phone anything in. Every panel was a conversation. Every choice, every character design, um, and this one's just been such a blast to make. It's super organic, and we really—I I really think we brought our best product forward. Agreed. It's it's beautiful. I mean, these few panels you have here uh, on your Kickstarter for people to see, uh, strongly men che- uh, recommend checking them out. That one's gorgeous. Oh yeah, that's a so, poster right yeah. there. Yeah, a couple. He sent me real high res. Um, and the nice thing again, like all my other ones, so issue one is 100% completed. Um, so if you back the Kickstarter, it's not going to take three quarters of a year to get it. Right now, with my with how long Kickstarter holds the money for and how long it takes the publisher, I'm getting books into people's hands in about three weeks. Um, the goal with this one is I'm going to try to get it down to around two. Wow, um, nice. Yeah, well, you know, if you're going to give me the money, like I said, you can if you want to treat yourself and go spend ten bucks, you can go to the store right now and get three great books. Right. Um, so if you you know if you're going to take the chance on me, the least I can do is get in your hands as fast as I can. Um, the other really cool thing I'm happy to announce is. Uh, the team and I have been, it's just like super organic and it's really flowing because I have the whole, the whole thing's written. It's a, it's a five issue limited series. Could be more if people are into it, but for now the, the first adventure is five issues. It's, it has a beginning, it's got a middle, it's got an end. Uh, issue two is fully written. It's fully penciled and it's halfway colored. Um, so with the length of the Kickstarter, if it goes well and people are into it, uh, we could upgrade issue one to a double issue, which would be close to 50 pages of content. Hey, that would be done that. before the Kickstarter's finished. Yeah, so that would be finished before the Kickstarter's finished. So that's about half a graphic novel right there. That is the, I don't want to say crazy, like you, like you're out of your mind, but like crazy is an awesome, <laughs> uh, craziest turnaround time on a Kickstarter. Yeah. I mean, you can't beat that. Two to three weeks? I've never had anything come that quick before. Yeah. Ever. yeah. yeah. Every, you've forgotten yeah, I mean, about it before you get uh, it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, I've, it's look, because I've been in this world, too, and I know what it's like. I mean, trust me, if, if it's, you know, people work hard for the money, you know, and if there's nothing, like, if you're going to get into this book, because I want you, I want to go, I want you to come on this journey with me, and I want you to experience this book with you, and I want you to take this book in your life, and I want to, to contribute to your life, and I can't do that if it shows up on your doorstep at Halloween, and you're like, oh, hey, like, you're, that, that interaction between me and the audience is over at that point, right? you know, at, at, at that point, we're pen pals at best. You have to strike no. while the iron's hot. You've put right. you put it in their head, you know, get it to them before they uh, forget about it. And I understand that's not the case for everybody. You know, some people have to wait till they get this money to even begin production. Right. Yeah. But, um, right. If you can, why not? You know, for sure. Yeah, so totally. I mean, that's awesome. You know, I know I realize people are putting their money forward. So if that's what I can do to say thank you. That's something I'm happy to do. Well, that's awesome. You're a uh, you're giving back, man. And that's that's respectable. Well, Ryan, I want to thank you for being on the show with us again. It's been a hell of a lot of fun. You're a man, what a great comic artist. We uh, always love having you on here, man. Guys, I always appreciate it. You're never a source for, for bizarre fun facts and interesting fun facts. Probably about a good good comparison, both of them. Um, and I really appreciate you guys looking out there for the indie guys. You know, it's not the popular point of view all the time, but you guys rock. 
Well, the thing is, is where all these things that are mainstream, where do they nine times out of ten come from? Comic books. Yep. <laughs> yeah, anymore. Great. It's all coming from comics. Got to get in on that ground level. Yep. Get it before. Dude, that's been all, all the time. You know, people. You know, like my parents. Be you know. These comic book shows are getting pretty popular. And this is like, yes, this is what I was saying when I was a seven-year-old nerd. Apology <laughs> accepted, guys. I knew what I was talking about. But it, it, it's even past the superheroes. There are so many shows out there that um, are comic book inspired, some of which you may not even realize or me myself realize. That would be a fun retro to do. Dig up all the shows that have been inspired by comic books that you may not realize. That's Road a deep, to Perdition yeah. was a graphic novel. What's that? Road to Perdition, a Tom Hanks uh, heist movie. Oh really? I Those didn't know really? that. Yeah, that, that it's a whole series. I think there's like six of them. Wow, I did not know that. We should do yeah. that. Maybe next time we have you on, Ryan, that's what we'll do. Dude, hundred percent. That sounds like a blast. I can't guarantee Jake will be there though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jake the bandit. Oh, oh, just kidding. We love you, Jake. But Ryan, uh, once again, thank you so much. And again, we're going to be directing people your way uh, on Twitter and on Facebook to your Kickstarter. Again, that starts July 11th, so keep an eye out, people. Uh, is there anywhere else people should be going, Ryan? Uh, main place to follow me is Twitter at Mr. M R Ryan R Y A N Comics C O M I C S. That's the one I'm going to be neurotically updating, um, and then that'll have the Kickstarter page on it. So it's one spot, couple little tweets, and then you'll know everything that's going on in my life. Awesome. Well, man, best of luck to you, even though you really don't, I don't think you'll need it. This mm. looks like a beautiful book, <laughs> yeah. and it looks like it's going to take right off. So um, thanks again for sending us a copy, and I uh, can't wait to have you back, man. Appreciate it, guys. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to cannedairpodcast.com, where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, visit the Hall of Heroes and see the Wall of Justice, check out some of the videos from our YouTube page, Click on the merch button and go to the Candare Society 6 store and get some t-shirts, pillows, curtains, bathroom rugs. <laughs> what else we got there? Tank tops, uh, coffee mugs. Socks. No, no, no. socks. <laughs> I think that's about it. <laughs> it's a, I think that's about enough. Yeah, really. Oh, God, rompers. <laughs> and if you want to... <laughs> you threw me off, threw for a loop there with the rompers. Uh, if you want to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. Yes, and social media, uh, Twitter at CandarPod and Instagram at Cand underscore Air. And the YouTube page, we have uh, new stuff up there. The first two, uh, actually probably about three by the time Should people are hearing by us. Now, yep. Three episodes, which will be the first complete episode of the Candarcade. Us playing Captain <laughs> America and the Avengers. Uh, if you like our brand of humor, I think you'll enjoy us playing and cursing yeah. at that game. Uh, some other things coming. We got the, the Grave of the Vampire movie coming out, which is uh, our own mystery science theater kind of riffing over a movie yeah. thing. And I, it's coming out really good. I'm really surprised uh, with it. So hopefully you guys like it as much as uh, I'm enjoying it. Gripping movie. <laughs> gripping. Yeah. yeah. So uh, look forward to that. And what else? Apollo Gauntlet, people. July 9th on Adult Swim at 12.15 a.m. Do not miss it. If you do miss it, the pilot's on adultswim.com. It's like Ace Ventura and Flash Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> that is a very fair it assessment. Is, I will yeah. give it that. I was yeah. going to watch it anyway, but now I'm sold. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> good. <laughs> oh, it looks like you can, uh, you can stream the entire series live at adultswim.com on, on Friday, July 7th. Or something July 7th. Yeah. So that's a day after this post. Wow, I have to watch that. I uh, didn't even see that little line there until the very whole, end. Probably, what, two hours of show? <laughs> 15 minutes each? I'm going to get in trouble at work is what's going to happen. So. <laughs> All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Ryan Little. <laughs> there he is. Left that little bit of room for Jake in case he wanted to stop in memory. by. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. this movie but wait timmy's blind but what am i supposed to do why not try a podcast spirit spirit all the comic and pop culture entertainment you could want in the canned air podcast 
Finally, a form of entertainment not fully reliant on visual stimulation. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Let's see if she goes all the way this time. Yeah, really. Ooh, she's going all the way. Cuts out on us. Hey! Dang. Let's see if she goes all the way this time. Yeah, really. Ooh, she's going all the way. If you are able to hear your own voice, then you have configured Skype correctly. Uh, we have a uh, clip. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains... We'll discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting, and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show. <laughs> 